Welcome to the Prison Care Podcast. I'm Sabrina Justison, founder of PrisonCare.org, equipping compassionate people to support the often invisible people groups who make up a prison neighborhood. The inmate residents, correctional officers, staff, administration, and the families of all these folks. Join me for this week's episode and be encouraged to think, care, and respond as we explore the challenges facing prison neighborhoods everywhere. Let's support positive prison culture from the outside, because everyone on the inside matters. So what lands somebody in prison? There are as many answers to that as there are people in prison. But one of the factors that is more common than many of us on the outside might think is the presence of mental illness. All varying types of mental illness, all varying degrees of mental illness, but statistics indicate that people on the inside of a prison are about twice as likely to suffer from mental illness as people who are not incarcerated. And the presence of mental illness in the equation is something that we should learn a little bit more about. It's a factor in Jay's story. It's one of a number of factors. Every person who is incarcerated is a unique human being with a unique narrative. And uh, I don't ever want to try to cookie cutter any of this. But because mental illness does show up in the equation for a lot of folks who are in prison, and because it is such a big piece of Jay's story, we decided to introduce the topic today and talk about mental illness and the fundamentals in prison. I'm Sabrina, and today's episode includes not only Jay on the phone with me, but also Kim, who is our community director at Prison Care Incorporated. She doesn't say a whole lot this episode. She's more of a listening presence, but she is a very important piece of the Prison Care Incorporated family. Kim is uh, also a person who has been a part of Jay's life since he was about nine years old. So she has been a part of his story, sometimes as an observer, sometimes as a very direct participant for many, many years. And uh, so you get introduced to her today, very briefly. And as with all of our interview episodes, I just want to remind you that we're doing our best for audio quality, but it is a challenge when you are taking a phone call from inside a prison and trying to record it for a podcast. So thank you for your understanding and your patience with us. And as always, we provide a written transcript of today's podcast. So if there are things that Jay says that you aren't quite able to make out, you can always download the PDF and get some clarity on what maybe was garbled. Here we go. All right. So I'm going to hit record and we're just going to let this thing flow organically. And Kim, you are free to hop in whenever you like, and I will be doing an intro thing separately that explains who you are and who's what. So so let's start with a a basic question that kind of sets us up. How you feeling? (laughs) Okay this morning. And it's a little bit of a, of a, I'm not a miracle, I don't want to be as dramatic as that, but it's a little bit of a surprise, and I'm grateful for it. Um, Why is that? Yeah, I had a bit of a, we'll just call it like a manic episode the past few days. I, I'm probably still in it a little bit right now. Um, and uh, that's exactly what inspired wanting to uh, 
uh, the topic we're going to talk about today. Um, just because I realized that, you know, this is a part of my everyday, and I'm certainly not unique in that, you know, and there's, there's countless others uh, living here in prison with similar issues, uh, or even worse, you know, more difficult in some circumstances. Uh, right. So let's just set just, this, set this up a little bit, because we haven't We've re- referred vaguely to mental illness in the past yeah. without a lot of specifics. And part of the reason we don't have a lot of specifics is because we don't have a super concrete diagnosis for you at this point in time. And there are professionals uh, trying to make sense of all of that. But you have learned an awful lot about your own brain and body and how um, they sometimes work for you and sometimes not so much work for you. And you have to choose life well in spite of chemical imbalances or electrical funkiness or whatever it is that's driving the uh, the funny bus sometimes, right? So when you feel manic, what does that feel like? What do you mean by that phrase? Relative term. For me, it's so... It usually starts with a lot of positivity. Because, yeah. um, okay, just for the sake of, uh, I guess, exposition, I hear and see things that aren't there all the time. But like a lot of times. Straight up hallucination. Yeah. Yes. Hallucinations or halloos. Halloos. Uh, but uh, a lot of days I can function, I can, I can manage, um, and I live with this stuff. I don't take pills for it simply because. Um, I don't always know how I feel about psychiatric medication and then I don't have a firm diagnosis, so I don't want to just be put on something to treat, you know, anything that I'm like healing me and, and risk right. maybe developing something worse as a result. So anyway, it's not an anti-pill thing. It's just, a, I want to be smart. I want to be educated and whatnot. So that means I have to function and I have to function well because I still have a life to live. And I want to have friends, and I want to have family, and goals, and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, uh, but when mania can start for me, it starts with a lot of positivity. My clues are quieter. Um, visually, things are less distracting in that way. So I get really excited to then just work on stuff because I feel clear-headed. I feel, you know, energetic and less less burdened by the normal bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I start doing too much <laughs> and I have a hard time realizing I'm doing too much so I'll start multitasking and I am a, a notorious bad multitasker <laughs> I, um, I, I don't have the attention span for such things and so that's instantly something that starts to overwhelm me um, I'll start having too many conversations at once about too many different things because everything's interesting because suddenly I'm not trying to listen through a, a, you know, farce of noise and chatter and yelling that normally my brain is clouding me with. Um, so auditory hallucinations so, are usually chattering and distracting and you have less of that when you're feeling this manic stuff, right? Absolutely. Okay. It's a lot like when you're at, at the food court at the mall and it's just all <laughs> of that noise. Mm-hmm. I hear that all the time all the time, every day, and, um, but when I'm, when I'm having the beginnings of a, of a manic episode, I actually have so much less of that, and 
it makes everything so much more interesting and so much mm. more uh, exciting to hear, even just normal things. Um, so yeah. I start to just stretch myself really thin. Okay. And I'm still a human being, so even though I'm feeling like a superhuman, I'm not. And I'm still expelling all this energy, right? Right. And so after maybe the first day or so, sometimes it, it takes a little longer, day and a half, but I'll start to tank. I'm, just, I'm out of gas, and I'll start going to really unhealthy coats then to get energy. My body just wants to consume all the food ever. doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> um, and I will empty up my box out like a fool, you know, and not, not even question it like an idiot. And, okay, um, just, just for people who don't know, so your box is your... Oh, my box is just like, for me, in the, in the building I'm in, it's a drawer underneath my bed that holds my commissary items, so food and, and hygiene and, and So if you have um, bought honey buns or something on commissary, that's where they can be found, huh? <laughs> <laughs> or unfortunately, it's not even like that, that classic. It's a lot more disturbing. Like sometimes it's like a whole bag of powdered milk because that's what I've got. Oh, um, wow. And so my body will just consume it. Like it's ridiculous. Wow. Not okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. And it's usually during these kinds of actions where I'm suddenly like, oh no, I think something's off. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might not be doing so hot. Uh-huh. And I'll start to kind of, but at that point, it's, I'm too far gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, chemically, hormonally speaking, I've already done the damage. Okay. And so now my blood sugar is completely off the charge. It's up and down, up and down. Um, I'm out of any kind of like counter hormones. So even a really good solid workout helps process the yucky stuff that I've built up inside me, but it doesn't have the, the, uh, the kind of gusto to replace it with the good stuff again yet. You know? Right. So right. I just kind of completely spiral. And when that happens, my brain goes, just goes off the charts lighting up with my visuals and my auditory hallucinations. So like what that kind of means for me is, is lights become extra, extra bright and they move and they flash and they sputter and they change colors. Um, shadows do the same thing, but you know, dark instead of light. So they grow and they, they, they kind of move along the walls and they billow and, mm. and from those visuals that are going on, then I get lots of lots of auditory stuff to just accompany it, and it always sounds like there's it, 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 the roar of like the crowd of the food court or whatever goes up. But then there's also these, then these more uh, the worse I get, there's more distinct voices, um, more like you know, personalities of others that have agendas and they're not clear what those agendas are but they're usually very negative very angry very scared Mm. um, anxious whatever and they all want to talk to me at once Mm. and they all need my attention they need need me and um and that gets really difficult to distinguish from reality and like i'm always because of whatever condition i'm working with here i'm pretty much always able to know that it's not real, but my ability to like pull away from it and kind of just try and center myself or focus on something in the task becomes uh, less and I'm less and less able to not. 
it. Mm. Um, and so that's when I shut down and I, I have to get away from people. I can't go to chow. I can't do anything. It's just, it's too much. I'm not here. And there's, you know, uh, okay. So, so first of all, thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> first of all, thank you for sharing those descriptions because mm. I think that a lot of times we don't do a very good job of explaining things about mental illness because it's really hard to describe. And because there's a lot of shame inappropriately associated with experiencing these things. And we don't think that there's, that there's, um, shame when somebody's blood pressure goes up, but somehow there seems to be shame when you talk about your auditory hallucinations increasing in volume and intensity. So I don't know. So anyway, so thank you for being willing to describe that so vividly. How did you get to this point of awareness, though? How did you learn? um, Even if it's a little too late, and it's after you've eaten the whole packet of powdered milk? How do you? How did you get to this point of realizing, uh Oh, um, I'm in trouble. And this is stuff that's going on that's that's not okay, and I need to do something about it. I, I guess, you know, it's it's cliche for a reason. I mean, you have to first admit when there's a pattern in your life, a negative pattern like this, mm. something that's ailing you, you have to admit it's there, even if you don't know. Like we've, It's been weird for me because given my situation, I, I don't know technically textbook what it would be called it fits several different descriptions but as yeah. we all know self-diagnosing is like the worst thing you can do because <laughs> yes. you open up you know you open up the book and you're finding your symptoms with everything so mm-hmm. suddenly you think i must have everything i must have right. every, every condition under the sun and that's just there's no need for that the point is uh, to recognize what your symptoms are and figure out what those symptoms need to you know calm them to ease them whatever so you're mainly um, talking about observing yourself and trying different things and seeing what helps? Trial and error, yeah. yeah. Straight up. I, I, does drawing help you? Does meditating help you? Um, does exercise help you? You just have to try things. And you have to try all kinds of things. And you have to do it, you know, at the risk of maybe making it worse. Mm-hmm. But you have to learn to know that Consuming this, you know, food item, it's actually going to do something worse to me rather than better. Um, things like that, like uh, you, have to, you have to be willing to, to take that risk and understand that it's like it's a scientific process, basically. You know, you're observing and reporting and uh, finding the patterns. Um, so you need a T-shirt that <clears throat> you need a T-shirt that says, "I am my own lab rat," huh? Nice. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are like um, the primary things that you've experimented with that you have found have impact either for good or ill? So it sounds, I don't want to say stupid, but it sounds like no duh, it sounds like no brainer, but it's, it's the fundamentals. I mean, it's, I have to make sure I'm sleeping appropriately, I'm hydrating enough, I'm exercising regularly, even if it's not always super intense. Um, and I have to make sure I know when I'm eating, what I'm eating, and why I'm eating. Mm. <laughs> um, and funny enough, like, those things are, it, it's more than enough 
to occupy your time. Like it sounds really simple, but they they take it real quickly. At least for someone like me, it can real quickly take over the bulk of your thinking every day. Um, and but it's a it's a learning process that you need. It's it's not just a suggestion. Like it's an absolute must <laughs> that you must learn these things and understand how they affect you and what you need because. So like everybody's told to get eight hours of sleep a night. Some people don't function well that way actually. Some people function great on six hours. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Other people they need ten. Yeah. For some reason. Just because we're all a little bit different. Yeah. And so you until you know for sure what you need, you you have to experiment, you have to self educate um, on those things. Um, and that just comes through through trying, you know. Yeah. And we we talked a lot before in the past about you know finding your purpose, and that's how all this kind of started for me. Was I had to recognize and admit that I have I have a condition, you know, whatever it is, and then I had to find motivation for okay, so what do I want to what do I want to do with this? Mm-hmm. Because I could go, they could give me anything. That I basically asked for here at Medline, they can give me the strongest dose of Seroquel if I say I truly need it, you know, and I can just numb myself up every day and every night and be cool. Um, and, and, but I, is that what I want? Right. No, like, I, for me personally, I have a lot of colds, big ones, sometimes ridiculous ones, um, but they're good things. And so I have to believe they're worth it and worth pursuing. And if that's the case, then I have to pursue these things with this condition. You know, it's not a, it's not right. a cut that's going to heal up. It's, right. It's a, it, I was born without a list, you know, or whatever. Like, it, it's a it's a way that I was born, and I have to live with it, um, not cure it necessarily. Um, okay, so let me, let me run so, you back briefly here, because I, I think this is amazing. And I think we're going to do another call in a minute where we're going to dig deeply into purpose and goals and um, expectations and all that stuff. But the fundamentals that you're talking about, and the awareness and the practice and experimentation on yourself with these fundamentals, how do you do that in a prison? I mean, lights go on at certain times and lights go off at certain times. And like, how does how do you do this stuff in prison? Uh, it's a lot of surrendering at first, and it feels horrible in a lot of ways, but you are, because you're someone who, yeah, you fucked up and you made some big mistakes, especially for me, and, and you deserve to be punished, you know, you have to, for, for some kind of justice in the cosmos to be at work, but, you know, you're still like, okay, yeah, but I'm alive, right, you guys chose to keep me alive, I have to keep, I have to keep going. And I need help doing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Period. You know, because of the way that I am, and yet you're thrown into this very, very structured, very routine environment that isn't necessarily conducive to your particular needs. Right. And you're forced to abide by when they call chow. You gotta go then if you want to eat that meal. You know, unless you're fortunate enough to have lots of money on your books and you can have your box always full of whatever food you like to eat, um, you have to go to chow. That's when 
that's the way it's meal time. But right. what if that's not great for your personal eating schedule? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if that's not what your blood sugar needs at that time? Or whatever. Uh, and there's a lot of surrender that has to happen when you're like, you're at the mercy of this place and it's determined schedule. Mm-hmm. And in a way, you have to get your body onto the schedule. You know what I mean? You have to change it. And in a lot of ways, emotionally and, and physically, that's really tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, wow. It feels unnatural. It feels dehumanizing in, in some, like, you know, philosophical ways and whatnot. Um, you have 60 seconds remaining. And there's Cassandra. Like do you want like, to go? That's honestly the perfect example. Yes. Yeah. Really, really good one. I'm not asking people for money right now. We're talking about real things, right? Right. And there's still a limit on that. Because Cassandra doesn't care what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. No, not at all. She doesn't give a damn. But, <laughs> but no one's waiting for the phone, so I'm going to call. All right. Redial. Sweet. And we're also going to let that wrap up this episode. But look for part two. Coming next week, we will continue the conversation after Jay redials and we'll move beyond the fundamentals and talk about goals, setting them, going after them, and doing all of that in the face of mental illness while incarcerated. It's a lot, and it's also not without hope. Please remember that always the point of the Prison Care Podcast is to help our listeners think and care and respond in compassionate ways that will be a support to positive prison culture from the outside. We are not looking to shock or to bum people out. We're trying to be honest. We're trying to share stories from real people who are incarcerated, but to share them in ways that stir hope for something better, for something more than the warehousing of humans, for something more than using prison as a place to treat mental illness so much more. Um, We're looking for something more for everybody on the inside, including the corrections officers who are dealing all day long, every day, with a population that are uh, under their custody, care and control. And perhaps as many as 50% of those people are mentally ill. And corrections officers have not received training as mental health professionals. It's uh, something we're going to dig into on a future episode in conversation with some corrections professionals. This question of what do you do with the mental illness piece of things in an incarcerated population that you are responsible for? Not an easy job, probably not a fair job, probably not something that's good for anybody in the equation. But I believe we can do better. I think we need to have some conversations. I think we need to pool some resources, connect some professionals and some organizations, and start working smarter instead of harder when it comes to prison and mental illness. So I hope that you will join us for the next episode, and we will talk some more with Jay, and Kim will also be there. And we will look for more ways to think, to care, and to respond in compassionate ways to be a support to positive prison culture from the outside. If you'd like to know more, please visit prisoncare.org. 
You can learn about uh, community there. You can look for ways to connect with us via Facebook. You can also download always free PDF resources that will help you start a prison care compassion team in your area, adopt a specific prison facility, and become a supporter of positive prison culture. It's not as hard as it sounds. It really isn't. And it absolutely makes a difference in people's lives. You can also find out how you can give to support the efforts at Prison Care Incorporated. We are a 501c3 tax-exempt charitable and educational organization as of August uh, 2022. That was very exciting. The IRS approved our tax-exempt application more quickly than I expected, and that was wonderful news. So you can give directly, and there will be information on the website about that. And uh, you can be a part of making a change, of doing some things better, of helping people who need help, no matter what kind of uniform they're wearing on the inside of a prison. So thank you for listening today, and please tune in for future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Prison Care Podcast. Be sure to visit us at prisoncare.org. Prison Care, equipping compassionate people to support positive prison culture from the outside, because everyone on the inside matters.